You're listening to Family Rules, the podcast on BYU Radio, inspiring ideas, inspiring families. Hello and welcome to Family Rules, the podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Walker, and this podcast is really a chance to explore what's important to me and and themes and topics I know are important to you too that revolve around home, family, and how we can improve the dynamics of those relationships. It's a companion project, I should say. You may have seen some family features and stories and conversations of the same kind on Family Rules over on BYU TV. Here's why I like the podcast side of the street. We have time. We have time to settle in and really flesh these out. And the beauty of this show, of the Family Rules program across the board, is the chance to get real. I'll say it like that. To get real, hit hit the ground, hit the family front where it matters and provide solutions and tools that are tangible and actionable. And that's how we hope to serve you in this space today. You are about to hear us geek out on a topic that you probably haven't given a lot of thought to, but it's a topic that has powerful, powerful potential to strengthen your family and allow you, lead you to be a more intentional parent. The topic we are teeing up today is the power of family rituals. We're going to define what a ritual is, how simple rituals can really be, and how those rituals day to day, Monday through Friday, can ultimately strengthen your family, even strengthen your marriage in really unique ways. Heather Ann Johnson is our guest today. She is a consultant, a college instructor, a family researcher, a coach and contributor who believes firmly in the power of these rituals. You'll hear her talk about how they can help redefine the family unit as we know it and ultimately lead to safe homes and intentional relationships. I think you'll enjoy this conversation as much as I did. My guest is not only a dear friend, but a family researcher, a college instructor, and a parenting expert. Heather Johnson has her own private practice as a marriage and family coach. She's a regular contributor on both lifestyle and radio, and we'll add, we'll, we'll throw some street cred in here, Heather, mother of six. I mean, I think that earns earns some badges somewhere, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I'll take all of that, for sure. For sure. <laughs> How in are fact, you? In fact, lead with the six. I love it. Oh, How are good. you doing? It's- Oh, so good. It's so good to be here. And and I love that this is what we're talking about. You know I love it. Yes. We love it together. Like this is a good space. And and it's honestly a topic that I think is underexplored and undercelebrated. And Heather can light up and and light us up over any family topic on the table, but you particularly have a passion for this idea of family rituals. So let's first define. I gave it my layman's definition, my laywoman's definition. What exactly is a ritual, Heather? How is it different than a routine or different than a tradition? Yeah. So actually, if you want to simplify your life, you can look at rituals and, and traditions the same. Like, okay. let's make it easy. Okay, right? good, good. Let's make it easy. And instead, let's focus on what our differences between routine and ritual, because that's really where it's going to play into our everyday life. Okay. Right? So when we're looking at a routine, these are the things essentially that have to be done. They don't mean a lot to us. They're necessary for existence. Often that is very different than a ritual. A ritual has three key characteristics. It first has meaning and significance, which is very important. It is repeated and it's coordinated. And it's actually that meaning and significance word that we want to tuck in here and kind of put in our back pocket and hopefully take away with us today. Because that means that we can take anything that's happening in our daily life, add meaning and significance to it, and now we've got ourselves a ritual. 
And so that power is amazing. You have a great example of a ritual, and I hope I'm not painting you in, in a corner here, but you, you've told me before uh, the ritual of the toothbrush. Can you tell us the toothbrush ritual? Because I think that sets it up really well. Yeah, for sure. So this is actually one of my favorites, probably because of the impact that it's had in my marriage and in our home. Uh, When my husband and I first got married, and we joke about this all the time, we'd only been married about three weeks or so. And I was in graduate school at the time. He He was in college and he was working and doing all these things. And as a result of where I was in graduate school, I was up really late. Mm-hmm. So he would go to bed at, you know, 10, 30, 11. And I was seeing like a 2, 30, 3 o'clock yeah, on, yeah. On, the, on the clock at that time. And so I would go to bed really late after I was writing a thesis. And I went into the bathroom one day and I was even annoyed that I still had to brush my teeth. It was like, oh, <laughs> I just want to go to bed. I don't yeah. want to do this, right? Yeah. And as I flipped on the light, there sat my toothbrush. He pulled it out of like our, you know, we were given for our wedding that the cup with the that held your, you know, different slots. Well, yeah, that seals the deal, doesn't it? That 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 yeah, means married if you have the toothbrush cup. It, it's exactly right. And <laughs> so he pulled it out and he'd put toothpaste on my toothbrush and it sat on the counter waiting for me. Now, when you think about brushing your teeth, it is very, very routine and always had been for me. Brushing my teeth is what I do because I don't like the dentist and I don't like bad breath and I want my teeth to stay white. Like that, that is actually why I brush my teeth. Yeah, yeah. And in that moment, he added meaning to it. And as a result, now the, the ritual stands that whichever one of us gets to the bathroom first at, at beginning or end of a day always puts toothpaste on the other person's toothbrush. Now, even for us, it's gone bigger because now we have these six kids And, you know, our son is our oldest and then we have five girls after him and these five girls share a bathroom. And so now the way it works is whichever one of the girls gets to the bathroom first, they actually put toothpaste on everybody else's toothbrush. Oh, I love it. I love it. And it's so simple. And see, that's where we kind of get sideways with rituals. We think that this means we need to go spend a lot of money, take a lot of trips, have a long to-do list, lose a lot of sleep, stay up all night. We don't have to do that. This is taking what's happening every day and making it meaningful. I wait all day sometimes to go to the, you know, brush my teeth at night to see that toothpaste waiting. And sometimes I race up the stairs in front of my husband because I want to put it on first. (laughs) I know he's taken a minute to think about me and that connects us. And that's what rituals do. Rituals with actually very little effort connect us in grand ways. And there is beauty in that. I love that you pulled in the word grand, and here we've titled this conversation, loosely titled, The Power of Family Rituals, which there's a juxtaposition there because here we've said rituals are so simple, they don't require a lot of time, commitment, or effort, but then we use words like powerful and grand. So so let's talk about the benefit now that we've given ourselves a baseline definition of what a ritual is. Why are rituals so powerful? Why is the payoff so big? Remember, rituals... And in their basic format, they keep families on track. Rituals actually give families direction and they connect us. So when we're looking at our families and we're saying, hey, we want to come together or we want to know where we're headed, direction and connection, if you keep those in the back of your mind, that's what rituals do for us, right? Rituals are essentially our families coming together and saying, we are going to be intentional about who we become and how we become that family, or how we become that married couple, or even how we become that individual. Remember, rituals apply to all of us, regardless of family or marital status. And so rituals are a very, very intentional, energy-driven space that directs us and then connects us. 
And so the benefits that we see, and again, I love these benefits because we've essentially been looking at rituals for a number of years. In fact, when we look at the research, ritual research started about 1950, although we track it you know, way beyond that, back to Aristotle. When we look at kind of 1950s, we have these landmark studies that start to look at families and their traditions and rituals. And this research always shows us that the benefits fall into four pretty cohesive spaces. First, we know that rituals connect us. They provide opportunities for connection. And I don't know about you, but I I want that. Yes. I want that with my family, yes. right? Examples of this connection, they're pretty simple. Examples of this would be like a bedtime ritual, right? So in our house, when our kids are newborns that first year, I manage a lot of putting them to bed. Mm-hmm. I'm usually the one feeding them, you know, doing a lot of that management. But as soon as they hit one and I'm not in charge of, you know, feeding them every three hours the same way, <laughs> my husband usually takes over and starts implementing a bedtime ritual. And this is where he usually takes a ton of time to chase them up the stairs and then they have a pillow fight and then they play hide and go seek and then they read a story together and then he lays in hears all about their day and then there's brushing teeth and pajamas and prayers and this ritual connects him to them every day mm. every day now we we have to go to bed yeah. we have to brush our teeth we yeah. got to put on pajamas and say prayers but because we've added meaning, this connection is a beautiful benefit. Mm-hmm. Family reunions, even if they happen every five years, a ritual. They connect us with people we haven't seen in a long time. Connection is a huge benefit, right? We see it everywhere. I love that. We see it everywhere. I was talking to a woman just the other day, and this is a little bit of a tangent, so forgive me, but she was expressing that sometimes she feels insecure that she's not more of a nurturing mother, that the touch and the affection, the physical affection doesn't come naturally to her. But she was quick to say every night before bed, speaking to the bedtime ritual that we're, that we're referring to, she goes, that's when I consciously can say, arms around him, cheek to cheek, squish, cuddle. Like she makes a conscious effort knowing that's not a natural yeah. strength of hers, but it's become this ritual. And I thought, gosh, talk about a powerful connection because even if the kisses didn't uh-huh. happen from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. naturally, it happened before bed. And I guarantee those kids are going to remember that. Oh, absolutely. And isn't that such a cool example of what connection and how connection shows up? And I love it because actually that example leads into another huge benefit, which is predictability. Mm. Rituals provide us with predictability. Now look at that, that mom with her kids. Those kids feel safe and secure knowing that every night, because it's predictable, they're going to get squished, loved, kissed, tickled, and loved again. Yes. Predictability for all of us brings safety and security, and especially for children. Now, look at it from an adult perspective, which these ones are so silly, but they mean so much to us. You know, you and I have had conversations before about whether or not we know what's going to be served during Thanksgiving or Christmas. Right. And how much it means to know exactly what's going to be on the table for Christmas dinner. Yes. Like, that matters to us. Yeah, those sweet right? potatoes better be there. They better be there they, every year. <laughs> And that's predictability. I feel safe knowing that when our family shows up at that Christmas table, those things are going to be on the table. That's a ritual. There is safety that comes from things being predictable. Now let's take it out of those bigger ones like Christmas and Thanksgiving. How about in the morning, a ritual of getting our kids up and getting them dressed and getting them off to school if we can get them to school, right? (laughs) And when we're doing those things, the predictability of our kids knowing they'll get breakfast that we'll sit for a minute and ask them how they slept, 
that will help round up shoes. That keeps them safe mm-hmm. because they know what to expect and they're not caught off guard. Mm-hmm. You can see how rituals benefit someone who might deal with anxiety even, especially a child who worries about those spaces. You put a ritual in place and provide predictability and they're not nearly as anxious because they know what to expect every single day. I love that. I love that. Right? We t- we, so those benefits are huge. We talked about how, you know, the distinction of a ritual versus a routine is meaning. And as you're giving these examples, right, whether it be the bedtime kiss, the bedtime tickles, the toothpaste on the toothbrush, at the root of all of this, the foundation, there's some serious, you know, valuable characteristics at play, values at play, right, of caring and affection and service. Is that another benefit of this pursuit of rituals? It is always. And that's that value-based space, right? Rituals give us an opportunity to enact values, to actually live them. And it's so funny because a lot of the frustration we feel in our families and in our marriages and in our individual lives is when we profess to believe in certain values, but our actions don't support. Yes, our profession of belief in those values. I mean, that's that hypocrite space and and we're always fighting it. It's like, oh, I believe in service. Oh, that's funny though. I actually haven't served anyone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I don't actually believe in that value. And rituals give us an opportunity to enact them. Uh, This one for me is actually one of my favorite benefits. And, And you'll have to excuse whatever kind of emotion shows up in my voice. One of the rituals that our family did my whole life was visit grandparents who lived in a different state. And in particular, I had the opportunity to have a set of great grandparents until I was a junior in college. And so every summer and every winter, twice a year, we would come to, you know, they lived in Utah. We lived in California. We would drive up and visit this set of great grandparents. And it was interesting because I watched my parents teach me values through the way they loved my great-grandparents, right? Mm. I watched them teach me service and selflessness and love and connection and respect. Now, my parents didn't load us in the car for this, you know, back then the speed limit was different. So for this like 12-hour car trip and say, hey guys, we're going to go learn connection, love, respect, selfishness, selflessness, and service. They didn't say that. They said, we're going on a family vacation. But I watched them teach me small things about respect. Like for example, that if a man wears a hat, especially a cowboy hat, you never touch it. (laughs) Right. I watched my mom give pedicures and manicures to a woman who could no longer reach her feet. Mm. I I got to watch these things. I got to learn how to speak to elderly people when they're older. Like that's not how they set up the family ritual. The family ritual was a vacation. Right. But man, the values that they enacted and that I got to learn were so powerful. And something really important here that we sometimes forget, especially in families, is that we can learn through rituals when we observe. We don't always have to participate. And there's a lot of, I I would think, uh, even safety or relief in that. I was going to say peace. If if I've got a teenager kicking their heels against going to grandma's house or whatever it is, and I'm dragging him along for the ride, you're right. The peace, the relief that we'll feel from knowing they're benefiting just from being in the room is huge. It's huge. We think that if they're not offering physically with their hands a participation, and this is you know, this is every day. This is if they're not speaking during family dinner, or this is if they don't necessarily want to go bowling, but they go every Friday. Observation, 
this is actually how I know how to cook a turkey for Thanksgiving. Not because I did it every year. My mom did. But I sat and watched every single year as she did it. So let that piece resonate that observation also has power. Mm, We get so caught up in that rituals, there must be the participation. So these values uh, and and everything we want to do in life needs to be value-based for it to actually be impactful and successful. And rituals give us a way to enact those values. The other thing too, we should probably mention that's a great benefit to rituals is that rituals give us a sense of identity. Mm, Elaborate on that. actually let us... They let us know where we belong. So interestingly enough, you know, growing up in California for me and also, you know, having religion be a big part of my life Uh and our family's life, Uh there's a lot of peace in knowing that if I went to school and I was made fun of for something that I believed or how I spent my time, that this identity that belonged to my family and I, through the rituals we enacted religiously, I could actually come home and I had a house full of people who also knew what it felt to be made fun of for their religion. Now, if we pull it out of religion, an an identity that our family very much had was that we played a lot of sports, we were athletic, but that identity was very much centered around baseball. It, It ran through generations. And it's so cool, this sense of identity, because if I went and played a softball game and struck out three times, I had a household of people to come home to who all knew what it was like to strike out. Mm. And I also could go three for three that day. And I came home and I had a house full of people who knew what it was like to go three for three. And that sense of identity, that sense of belonging, it not only provides safety, but it builds a space of worth where it's okay for us to be who we are. Yes. And yes. rituals give us a sense of identity. They tell us where we belong. I once heard a quote, and I don't remember where I heard it, but it stuck with me and pierced my heart. And it, it went something like, family is where you feel most like yourself. And I remember mm-hmm. when I heard that, I thought of my family's loud, rambunctious Christmas Eve party where we sing, you know, silly songs as people get out of games and we sing it at the top of our lungs. And it's, it's, you know, behavior and, and it's it's rituals that we would never practice outside of the walls of that party or that home. Mm-hmm. But in that room, in that extended family party with 40 people singing na, 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 as someone gets out, you feel at peace. You feel home. That identity is powerful, isn't it? Yeah. It's a place again, where you feel like it's okay to be you Yeah, because the people around you accept you as you. Yes. Right. And we don't often think of it that way, but these benefits, they're monumental to our core, right? Remember, go back to rituals, provide our families and ourselves direction and connection. They give us those two things. And so this sense of identity lets us know where we're headed. And most importantly, it lets us know that we are connected to people around us and that who we are is enough. And that feels really, really good. Are, are, are certain rituals, Heather, I don't want to say better than others because we've just put great value on the idea of a ritual period, but are there different types of rituals or rituals that might serve different families in, in deeper, more impactful ways? Yeah. So when we look at rituals, we tend to categorize them actually in three different categories. We have connection rituals, and these are things that help us connect one to another. Okay. We have love rituals, and those are rituals that allow us to show love to an individual. This would be birthdays, Mother's Day and Father's Day, anniversaries, right? That that would be a love ritual or a couple ritual. And then we have community rituals. And community rituals are those rituals that connect us to a greater body of people. 
And when you're looking at your family or your marriage or yourself, we actually want to consider having rituals in all three of those categories, Okay, right? In all three of those spaces, because they all provide benefits that we need, right? For example, we don't recognize, but a lot of the things we do are community rituals, weddings, funerals, 4th of July parades, you know, things we do when we go look at Christmas lights, those are community rituals. And the thing about community rituals is they help build strong families with direction because they provide us an opportunity to not just take from the community, but healthy families give to communities also. And that's what those rituals do, right? So we want community rituals to be a part of our lives, right? We want them to be there. Yes, then yes. for example, we look at connection rituals. Connection rituals are like coming and going, saying hello and goodbye to each other. You coming home at the end of a day and finding you know, your husband and giving him a kiss every time you walk in the door to say hello, uh-huh. right? Uh, this one for my husband and I, this coming and going is actually pretty funny. We have a very, uh, you know, set ritual for the last 20 years where before he walks out a door, he always says, sweetheart, I've got to go. Those are his exact words. (laughs) And no matter where he is in the house, I go straight to the garage door. Right. And we're enacting this ritual. It's these patterns of interaction that fit together. And I wait at the back door or close and he comes and he says to me, Love you, bye. I don't know when the I got dropped, but love you, bye. <laughs> and I look back at, yeah, I look back at him and I say, love you, bye. And we give each other a kiss and he walks out the door. Oh. And this ritual is so funny because eight is actually our max, eight times. But if he walks out the door and forgets something and comes back in, <laughs> he starts at the beginning again. And he says, sweetheart, I got to go. And I'm standing right there and I'm like, Okay. And I say, love you. Bye. And he says, love you. Bye. And we give each other another kiss and, and no joke. Eight is actually the number. We forget the wallet. Those are a few extra smoochies, but I'm here to tell you that I think that Johnson goodbye ritual just replaced the honey. I'm home. Sorry, Lucy and Ricky, but I like yours a lot better. <laughs> oh man. And it's so fun to see that when that happens, that really does connect us. Yeah. And it connects us right before we separate. And then at the end of the day, we find each other first. We very much have a ritual where kids in tow, dog behind me, when I walk in the door, he gets the kiss first. Mm. We get up from wherever we're at and find each other. That's a coming going ritual that we have in place. Now, love rituals are actually some of my favorites. I love this opportunity to show individuals love and attention. Mm -hmm. I think there's beautiful things in that. And there's some keys to this one that are pretty fun to look at. For example, success in love rituals or couple rituals come when we decide to give other people what it is that will make them feel special instead of giving them what it is that we would want. So this is kind of the love language. What's your love language question? Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, for example, have you ever been to a surprise party for someone who's really shy? Yes, sure have. Sure sure is awkward, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's terrible. And it's funny because who really wanted, who really wanted the surprise party? Right. The person who threw it, right? Right, right. And so these are the spaces where we want to make sure we are actually giving what makes that person feel special. Mm -hmm. Now, there's some differences here that are fun when we look at men and women, Men tend to be very, very intentional about being ritualistic when they're courting. Ah. Women tend to be very intentional when they're married. Okay, this is interesting. This is juicy. Mm -hmm. And so we miss each other a little bit, right? Yes, ships in the night. A man is, 
yes, is dating someone and they are, and think about it. Think back to dating, right? To courting. There are flowers. There are notes. There are specific phrases and phone calls and intentionality. Oh, they're so intentional in that phase. And then how many times have you heard one of your girlfriends say, well, now that we're married, my husband never does anything. (laughs) Right? And it's so funny because once we get married, that's when for women, we immediately become ritualistic. Because in our minds, we think, wait a second, if I've made this commitment, I sure as heck am going to put energy into it. Right. A man says, wait a second, what else can I do to show you how much I love you than put a ring on your finger and... Yeah, I did it. That that sparkler is the ultimate shine. Yeah. (laughs) I got them, right? And and I got to put a caveat in here a little bit for men because they get a bad rap, even though we see this differently. What tends to happen with these types of rituals is that it's not so much that men stop being intentional. It's that they shift where the intentionality is. Mm. Like, for example, my husband used to leave me notes everywhere. In fact, every once in a while, I will pull out like a really old backpack or a random sweater that I've hung on to since college. Yeah. And I will actually find a note that he tucked there 15 years oh, ago. Oh, the best. It's so fun. Better right? than a 20. Better it's than so a fun. bill that you've better, lost or tucked always away. Always better than a bill, right? Yes. In fact, one time when, when we were dating, I had to go out of town for a graduate school conference and I showed up in the Arizona airport and he had arranged for someone to, to be there with a note. They were oh. everywhere. It was oh. so fun. Now... I I say this cautiously and with so much love, I don't get a lot of notes anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't. I I rarely, in fact, they're they're here and there. But what I do get is I get a lot of help with housework, Mm. a lot. And I get a lot of patience after a long day. And I get a lot of, hey, I was thinking that this might make this easier for you. And hey, I was walking through the mall and I thought that this might be something you like. I get completely different energy and effort. I get, I've been gone doing a presentation and when I show back up, he's tucked all the kids in bed and made me something to eat. It isn't because he's not intentional or that the notes haven't shifted. It's that that's what he could offer at that point. Yes. And now he sees what the needs are and he's willing to be ritualistic and intentional about what my needs are now. Now you've got, I didn't have those needs then. You've got me a little tender now toward this topic because it can be those in-between moments, right? It can be those little unseen, where the energy lands today, where the opportunity falls right now. And we've got to look for that space and look for those, look for those efforts. Yeah, and that's where this, this key word, this word of being intentional is so powerful. If we want our marriages and our families and our individual lives to go in a certain direction, we actually have to take them that direction. If we're not intentional in guiding them that way, then the winds and the currents of the world around us, that is what will steer our ship. That is what will direct our course. And so we have to be very intentional. We see things different. It's so comforting. In fact, I get to hang out with college students a couple of times a week. And this, this space of being intentional in marriage, you know, you got a, a lot of newlyweds. There is a lot of contention in this space. A lot of women who raise their hands and say, I've been married for a year and my husband never brings me flowers anymore. He always used to do that, uh-huh, uh-huh. right? And this frustration. And we need to realize we view intentionality in our relationships differently. Hmm. We see it different. And if we can understand and go into it, recognizing, wait a second, he sees it as energy on the front end and I see it as on the back end. Now, all of a sudden, we make a really good team. Yes. 
because it's his intentionality that got us here. Yes. And it's some of my intentionality that's going to get us that through the back end. There's the synergy. Gosh. Oh, it's so cool to yeah. see what a team we can be yeah. and to recognize that there isn't actually room for a bad rap because in these rituals, my husband is so much more in tune now as he recognizes what really brings connection, mm-hmm. what really brings predictability, mm-hmm. what really helps me and live the values and stay safe. I love it. So I love it. Understanding the differences are so, it's so powerful. Yeah. It's really powerful. In pursuit of stronger family rituals and to cash in on all of the fabulous benefits that you've shared through so many great examples. I love this topic even more than I thought I did. You want us to manage the two T's. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So when it comes to being successful, we tend to have some barriers, right? Some things that potentially make it hard. And we're in an interesting space because society is actually what makes it difficult to be intentional, to be ritualistic, right? And one one of the main reasons it does is because it puts up a lot of barriers for families to spend time together. Uh. And also as a result of the technology that is constantly surrounding us. Mm-hmm. Now, even before we kind of jump in, and those are our two T's, they're time spent outside the home and technology spent inside or technology inside Th- our home. Those are the barriers. The, those are our barriers, yeah. right? Now, there's a ton of other ones, but those are the ones that really infiltrate every single family system, every relationship, every individual. It's important to note that this is the first time in society that we have not had a common definition of what a family or what a marriage is. Hmm. In fact, historically, this is the first time ever in the history of the world where we have so much contention surrounding defining families and marriages. We have never dealt with this contention this way to this degree. And so we don't have a working definition So we've got this society around us that is actually still functioning as if we have a common definition when we don't, right? Society still expects that we function from a place of this is what a family looks like and this is what a couple looks like. Yeah. And we want all of that to be the benefit, but yet we don't all agree. Hmm. And there's a lot of confusion in that. So when we look at those barriers of time and technology, We want to recognize that those are commonalities, even when our definitions are not common. It actually doesn't matter what a family definition is for us right now. Time spent outside our home and technology inside our home, they're barriers we all face. Now, the time spent outside our home is pretty straightforward. It's this understanding that when we spend time outside our home, it's usually because we're doing things as individuals, which means we're not able to be intentional or ritualistic as a family. Mm-hmm. Family or a couple. It's one right? on Usually one. the home to do yeah. solo activities. It's not a shared mm-hmm. space. It's yep. that individual and pursuit. Yes. The technology inside our home actually gives us this pretty crazy false front. We think, oh, our whole family's home together every single night. But somebody's watching TV and a couple people are on their phone and somebody's listening to music and somebody's watching a video. And, some, and so we might be under the same roof, but that, that's actually a false front. We use that as justification to say, oh, we're together every day. Sure, we're connected. Sure, we have direction. Actually, we're not connected at all, right? We're not connected at all. So we have to learn to tame that technology. We have to learn to put it away in an attempt to be much more intentional about how we want to spend our time together. Hmm. 
And there's some really simple questions with this one. Like, for example, asking ourselves every day as often as possible is how I'm spending my time connecting me to these people. Hmm. Am I intentionally spending my time in ways that bring us together, right? Yeah. Imagine if we asked us our, asked ourselves that every day. Man, we wouldn't like the answers a lot. Right, right. <laughs> Look at the mere moment the for sure. <laughs> would be really uncomfortable, right? So we want to tame that technology. And then we want to make better use of our time. Like, for example, when our children have activities, families tend to spend a lot of time in the car. What if every time we got into the car, we turned off the music and phones weren't allowed to be on and we intentionally, with meaning and significance, used car time as talk time? Hmm. That's time I already have. I know I'm going to spend an hour in the car yeah. driving a daughter to and from cheer yeah. Tuesdays and Thursdays. Heather, Heather, you've hit a sore spot for me because I don't know if you heard the news, but I just became a minivan mom. <laughs> <laughs> it's a proud badge of honor that I actually am quite excited about. Um, but I didn't yes. know the van that we purchased came with um, a television screen. And when I found mm-hmm. out, I mean, you can tell how into cars I actually am. I really don't, I don't care that all that much. But when I found out, my husband was shocked because I was pretty upset about it. I, I mean, I, I'd say I was bummed, but really I was kind mm-hmm. of bugged and a little bit annoyed and maybe even over to angry because I'm like, I don't want that option in the car. I have uh-huh. these kids captive uh-huh. and trapped and I want to see their eyeballs in the rearview mirror and hear their voices. And my husband was laughing like, what mom doesn't want Aladdin playing in the background? We're on a two-hour trip. And I'm like, me, I don't want Aladdin playing in the background. So you just validated me in that in that annoying yeah, space. Me neither. Well, and if it validates you even more, we intentionally, very intentionally, yeah. no matter the car we purchase, don't put TVs in it. See, thank you. Because I want that space. I don't have a lot of time. Right. And I only have 18 years with them. And so I've got to make the best use of the time I have possible. Yeah. And when I've got them in the car, they know nobody's phones, including mine, which also helps me feel a little bit better about when they turn 16 because they're in the habit of not <laughs> right. driving with phones right, out. Right. But it gives me this space to talk to them. And sometimes that space has music, but if it does, it's because all of us are screaming singing at the top of our lungs yes. very poorly off key my together, kind of car ride absolutely right? so we want to take what we have and make better use of it we all eat we usually eat dinner every one of us why not make it meaningful why not have the space be something we sit down and do together and if it can't be dinner we usually eat breakfast so why not make breakfast a space this is where we look at our lives and we say where is this time that we share regardless And how can I add meaning to what's already there? I love it. But it is taming those things. I love it. Right? It's taming those. Even when we we look at technology and time, the, the magic number is actually 15 minutes. What do you mean by that? So if you can even pull 15 minutes away from tech... If we can pull 15 minutes away from technology uh-huh. and put it to, to being ritualistic, we've done some pretty awesome work that day. In just 15 minutes. And, and that... Uh-huh. As long as we're intentional about it. Okay. We all have 15 minutes we've wasted on tech today. Somewhere. Oh, yes. Somewhere. Yes. We, we can, and yes. We, yeah. We can carve time out somewhere and put it towards being intentional, towards meaning in the relationships that we say matter most, right? We, we're so quick to say these relationships matter the most, and yet they get the least time, hmm. right? They get the least intentionality. We're sure. so intentional about getting ready about what we do all day. We don't often sit back and think, how intentional am I being with these people I say I love more than anything? 
I love it. I love it. I love it so much. In conclusion, if someone's listening, they're fired up like I am about the power that's waiting to grab onto in, in the in the form of a ritual. Where do I focus? What's step one? What do I do today that I can grab hold of and try and flex in my own home that will lead me toward the benefits of these simple rituals? I, I think probably the very first answer to that is actually asking that last question, which is, how can I be intentional? Okay. And that's got to start by asking ourselves maybe an even earlier question, which is what direction do I want my family or my marriage or my life to head? And how am I going to steer myself there? Right. Asking ourselves, what direction do I want to go and what things do I need to be intentional about today in order to get there? Hmm. Now to add to that, if there's really something tangible sit down and take a piece of paper and fold it in half long ways, right? So you have two columns. Okay. And on one side, write needs. And on the other side, write values. And answer those questions for whatever relationship you're looking to execute rituals in. What are the needs in this family or this marriage? And what are the values that we say we subscribe to? And put those down. And let everyone contribute. Anyone who's in on this, let them all contribute. And then from there, we can start adding the actions that support the needs and the values. And it's a really, it's a really safe but concrete space. The best place to initiate new rituals from is from what we need and from the values that we say we believe in. It's a really good place to start. Awesome. This has been... Awesome. This has been awesome. Heather, thank you so much. I came into this conversation already feeling pretty pumped about, about the topic, as, as little as I knew about it anyway. Being able to expand with you and elaborate with you has just lit that fire even more. So thank you so much. I know you have a private practice. You coach individuals, couples, families, even businesses I know virtually or in person, whatever, however it plays out. How can we get in touch with you? Yeah, reach out. You can reach out through email is probably the easiest and we can link that. It's just Heather Ann Johnson MS at gmail.com. Okay. And we can talk through anything that's a struggle. Ah, Heather, you're the best. Thank you. You've been gracious with your time and your expertise. And I, I love the real life examples that you gave us. Uh, kind of when rubber hits the road sort of sort of teaching. And that's that's the most valuable kind. Thank you so much, my friend. You've been listening to Family Rules, the podcast on BYU Radio. Today's topic, the power of family rituals with family researcher Heather Johnson. If you liked this conversation and found the topic helpful, even inspiring, we'd invite you to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And we hope to see you next time. Family Rules, the podcast is a production of BYU Broadcasting.